the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Zito, we were looking for her Twitter account. She closed it down. Selena Zito, welcome to America First. <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much for have, having me. Yeah, I left I left Twitter uh, sometime in May. Uh, after 12 years, it, I had had enough. I found that it didn't make me a better reporter. Uh, it didn't keep me it, be able to have a clearer mind when I when I do the work that I do. And besides that, I just didn't like how people treated each other. So if you want to catch my stuff, just go to selenazito.com to sign up for my emails. They're free, they're fun, they're not fattening, and I take you all over the country. I was going to promote her with my funky <laughs> accent, my deep voice, and she just <laughs> stole my thunder. She, di- she even gave me the stuff to say that it's free, it's fun, it's not fattening. And now I have nothing to say. I can't even say selenazito.com. I've been made redundant. S-A-L-E-N-A-Z-I-T-O, selenazito.com. She is national political reporter for some rag we don't mention with the initials W-E. But more importantly, she is columnist for the New York Post. We love it. And she's also a regular on John Batchelor's long-form radio, which we love so much. Let's start there, Selena. Um, you are the person of all journalists out there, and this is why you need to be back on Twitter, dagnabbit, because it's not about being a good reporter. It's about making snowflakes melt. But you are the only reporter I know who actually reports on real America, gets out of the stinking swamp, gets out of the Acela Corridor, travels to where Americans who built America live and talk about what's going on there. And John, he was on my special podcast for an hour. If you haven't listened to it, I got to interview John Batchelor, and it was not because of me, but because of John. It was incredible post it right now eric he is amazing post the story of john bachelor's life that we discussed on our twitter and facebook feeds and he said something amazing to me he said there are metrics for the for what what's happening politically in america and one of them is it true that you went to parts of pennsylvania i think it was and you saw handmade handwritten signs yard signs for president trump is that true Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, in 2016, I talked about seeing these signs, and I can remember people admonishing me and saying, Selena, signs don't vote, and that's true. But the amount of signs, and and I saw signs painted on houses, on the sides of barns, um, uh, you know, and all of them obviously homemade. I even saw a horse with Trump painted on the sign that the farmer assured me that it was safe. But that was 2016. I will tell you that if I thought 2016 was insane with signs, 2020 is like double that. 
I've just been through um, Ohio and Michigan and all through Pennsylvania, all 67 counties. And while uh, I didn't, I rarely saw a Clinton sign in 2016, I have seen a handful of Biden signs. I still have to talk to some of those people, but they said that these are not people that have switched their votes. They just couldn't get the Clinton people to recognize that they actually existed, which is a completely different story. But, yeah, the enthusiasm, I would say, is over the top. And you don't see one You, you mean You mean the Trump, the Trump enthusiasm now? Yeah, the Trump enthusiasm now. You know, and, the, and this is part of why I left Twitter, Sebastian, in that if I go on Twitter or if I watch the Daily News, um, I would be convinced that he was losing. He was going to lose. Trump was losing. He was going to lose by 10 points, and it was all over. The fat lady had already sang. Um, but then I go out and I listen and I talk to people, and it's a completely different story. So it really sort of makes my brain sideways sometimes to try to understand uh, what is going on. The one thing I will tell you, and I think this is really, really important, and that is when I wrote my book with Brad Todd in 2016, The Great Revolt, uh, and it was about the coalition that is the Trump coalition, the new Republican conservative populist coalition. Uh, we polled people afterwards. Only Trump identified voters in Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Iowa, uh, uh, yeah, and Wisconsin. And we, we asked them, did you tell a family member or friend or a pollster that you were going to vote for Trump? This is going to blow your mind. At least this is the Trafalgar poll. What, what, what were your findings about those? 34%. 34% of Pete Trump self-identified voters said they did not tell a family member, a friend, or a pollster that they were going to vote for him. Now, I, 2016 seems like a Disney movie compared to what we're experiencing right now. I suspect that number is higher. So th- this is this is what I, I posit always, but I'm not on the ground like you. My, my contention is the following. The idea that the, the, the silent majority that swept this man into the office, or, or, or the Oval Office, four years ago has shrunken in the last four years, I find absolutely impossible to imagine. You're verifying that for me, correct? Yeah, I mean, anecdotally, when I'm driving around, that's what I find, and that's sort of the mental conflict as a journalist, right? Because I have to work with I have to work with data, and I also have to work with reporting. The data is not matching up with the reporting, and that's what's very similar to what I experienced in 2016. So, talk to us. Um about what you're seeing in your industry? Because the remarkable thing is I think the silent majority is larger. I think your anecdotal evidence is part of that story. But your colleagues are worse than they've ever been. There is no recognition of the failure of the mainstream media to understand what happened in 2016 and to actually make an attempt not to be political. Is that what you are seeing from inside the sausage factory? Well, well, I live in Pittsburgh, so I'm never really around most of my colleagues. Here's what I will tell you, and here's what I understand. And it's not just in my profession, but it's in all of the sort of cultural curators in our country, corporations, sports entities, entertainment, and also the media. The people that work there, that work at these places tend to come from the same sort of 10 wealthiest zip codes in our country. 
uh, and and they don't share. They don't have the same sort of shared experiences, those cultural touchstones, with the people that they're often reporting on that live in places like Kenosha, Wisconsin, or Bucks County, Pennsylvania, or East Liverpool, Ohio. Right? They don't have those. They don't know people like that. So it is very difficult to understand that. And that's why you see corporations and sports entities and entertainers deciding to go on the side of the left because that's who they know. That's who they live. That's who they socialize with. Right? Those are their friends. They don't know people who may be pro-life. They don't know people who may own a gun. They don't know people who might sit in a pew every Sunday. So they're not understanding the people they're reporting on, and I think that's why they tend to get things sideways when when talking about Trump and or the coalition, the Republican conservative coalition that put him into office. It's like, I always forget her name, but that Washington Post or New York Times columnist after the Nixon election who said, who wrote an op-ed piece saying, I don't know, understand how he's our president because nobody I know voted for him. Um, right, right. And I think that's sort of the challenge for people in the national media. They all tend to live uh, around Washington, D.C. and or around New York City. And the same goes for, I mean, look at where the headquarters are for the NFL. It's on Park Avenue in New York. I would argue if you want to better understand what is important to the people that are spend their hard-earned money to sit in those seats every Sunday, put your headquarters in Canton, Ohio, and put a couple people on your board of directors that went to a state school. Not everything should be Ivy League and the best of the best of the best. It doesn't mean that's bad. It just means we need a more variety in our cultural curators. Yeah, we we have no variety. It is complete. Yeah, yes, we have you, and it's not fattening, it's fun, and it's free. Did I get that right? <laughs> Go to Selena. You said it so much better than my user. Okay, the invoice is in the mail. Go to selenazito.com, S-A-L-E-N-A-Z-I-T-O, selenazito.com, and read. She has two great pieces at americangreatness.com, one on how we recovered from the Spanish flu as a nation, and then about a certain town called Prosperity in Pennsylvania. Follow this woman through her website, and then maybe we'll get her back on Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Michael Medved at michaelmedved.com for Town Hall. The mainstream media reflexively praised the civil unrest afflicting major cities across the country using the term peaceful protest without even acknowledging that the phrase is an obvious contradiction in terms. Dictionary definitions for the word peaceful are number one, peaceable, and number two, Untroubled by conflict, agitation, or commotion, quiet, tranquil, end quote. Now, there's nothing quiet or tranquil about what's going on today. Yes, protests can be nonviolent. Dr. King and the late John Lewis always stressed nonviolence, even in the face of violent provocation. 
But the current demonstrations emphasize no positive goals or programs of reform, amounting only to angry expressions of unfocused rage. Naturally, there's nothing peaceful in this process, a process which in most cases leads inevitably to violent destruction. I'm Michael Medved. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.